Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. See, we have this weird mentality. Seven billion people, we're a speck, and we're becoming less and less of an influence in the world. In end-time prophecy, we don't see us, but God loves the whole world. I don't live in China. I live here. How many lost people around you? Everywhere. They're searching. They're empty. They're lonely. They can't figure out life. They seem to be doing well, but they know down inside because Ecclesiastes tells us God's put eternity in their heart. Something just isn't right. So Jesus says, I came... For the lost, lost people matter. When Jesus came to the earth, he could have used any number of techniques to change the world. He chose to call 12 men to him and invest in them. As he walked with these men, he spent time relating to them. In time, he commissioned them to do what he was doing, calling others to a relationship with God. He called them to reflect God's love to those around them and to the world, to shine for him wherever they were and wherever they went. Pastor Mark encourages us to do the same today. He will tell us that God has placed us exactly where He wants us to shine. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, with our continuing study entitled, The World is Ending, Live Today. I'm so proud of you at all of our campuses because we have so many people that have heard the message, they've heard the call to follow Jesus, and you have responded. I'm proud of you this morning. Thank you. Your life is being changed. Your disciples, we worked through that whole discipleship thing. You're in a process of growing to become more like Christ. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Because see, that's, you'll see later, that's what makes the difference. We're not perfect, but we're authentic. We're really doing God's will. Now, as they begin to follow, here is what you're in the process of doing, and myself included. Number three, you want to write it down. The will of God is to be a growing disciple. It's not just to follow, but it's to grow. Jesus didn't just save us to get us to heaven. Somebody say, Pastor Mark, I'm like, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, quit aggravating me this morning. I'm not aggravating you. I'm challenging you. God didn't save you just to get on the bus and go to heaven. He saved you to make a difference in your world. And so he wants us every day to follow him so we can become like him and then we can minister like him. And I want you to write this statement down. Everybody, even if you're not taking any notes, would you write this statement down for me? No one can follow Jesus part-time and be successful. Why would anybody try to follow Jesus a few days a week? Why would you do that? When you know that the all-knowing God has all the answers for your life. Now, let me try to explain what that looks like. In my life, in your life, first thing you want to be in your life is a full-time Christ follower. 
I am not a full-time pastor first. I'm a full-time Christ father. I'm not a full-time father. I'm not a full-time grandfather. I'm not a full-time husband first. I'm first a full-time Christ follower. Do you understand what I'm saying? My first responsibility isn't to you. It's to God. Same for you. Now, that doesn't mean I abandon you, abandon the family. Our grandkids are coming in a couple weeks, getting the house ready so it can be destroyed. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. We're going to have a great time together. But that, even though I love them, I love my wife, I have to put God first. But then when I do that, God speaks to me about my relationships. I want you to know this morning while I was gone, God spoke to me. Lots of things. And one of the things he said is, you don't pray for the people God's given you enough. So I confess that to you today. He's right. Oh, I prayed for you, but not not the way I should. So the last few days since I got back home, tried to get on the right time zone, I've been getting up at 5.30 in the morning and walking. I prayed for you this morning at every campus. Now, I'm not special, but when God speaks, I try to obey. I want you to know this morning I love you. And I have a response to not only teach you, but to pray for you. See, I respond to him first. So I want you to know this morning you're loved. Way more by God than me, but I do love you. And that's why I'm teaching you this. Because the world is ending. And you're ending. And we want to use our time wisely. So why would I try to, why would I try to follow Christ part-time, day a week, every three weeks? Because we don't understand a huge principle. And I want you to turn to it because I think it will help all of us today. Let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, about a third of the way through the New Testament. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 at all of our campuses. Quickly, if you'll turn there, you will see what that looks like. Paul reminds us of a principle that, well, we don't get. Watch what he says. And it's interesting to me that Paul starts out by saying he's writing this to a church which is full of Christians. He says, don't you know? So it means he knew they had forgotten this. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 19. All of our campuses, Vieira, Sebastian, the work camp, watch this. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? In other words, the day you got saved, the Holy Spirit came to live in you. So your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now watch what he says. Who is in you, whom you receive from God. Don't you know that? Then he says this. Circle this in your Bible. You are not your own. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Of course, there's lots of sexual things there. Don't get with the promiscuity and all those kind of things. But what he means is, therefore, honor God by doing his will. Why? Because you're not your own. So Paul says, when we receive God's forgiveness and grace to become a believer, we, we gave up willingly our right to direct our own lives. God purchased us with the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. And once we're a Christ follower, we're not our own anymore. So I can't serve and follow God part-time. I'm not my own. I do what my God says to do. Now, I want you, but you got to put a smile on your face first. Everybody, smile. And I want you to turn to your neighbor and say these words. My life is not my own, I belong to God. My life is not my own, I belong to God. With a smile. 
Now, for some of you, that's life-changing. That's life-changing. I gave up my right to do my will. Now I do His will. That's not hard because God lives in me. I'm led by the Spirit of God, Romans 8 says. Now, how much of my life do I give up? Every part. Every area of my life belongs to I'm no longer self-sufficient. See, an unbeliever is self-sufficient. I'll do it my way. Pretty good, eh? No, I'm going to do it whose way? God's way. I'm dependent on God. Now, back to Mark chapter 1 where we were, verse 17. The, the challenge was not just come and follow me, but Jesus said, I'm going to do something with your life. And that call, that radical call to follow him is the only call that you and I get. Every single Christian gets the same call. Every Christian gets the same call. And we have to have the response. Here's what Jesus says in verse 17. Come follow me, Jesus says, Mark 1, 17. Jesus says this, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. This is our fourth key this morning. Write it down. The will of God is to be a fisher of people. What does that mean? It simply means this, to learn to share the good news. In this initial call, we see the mission of Jesus. It's the will of God. As the disciples would walk around with Jesus, shortly as they began to follow him, they saw the heart of Jesus, which was the heart of God. One day they came across a little man, Zacchaeus, that was in a tree. He was trying to find Jesus. He'd heard about him. Jesus stopped and said, come on down, went to his house, shared the gospel with him. Just one person. Changed his life. He was a crook. He gave money back to the poor. He changed his life. There was real repentance. And then Jesus, at the end of that, in Luke 19.10, he makes this statement. For the Son of Man, Jesus, came to seek and save that which was lost. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many people are lost? Everyone that's not a Christian. Because we live in America, we have a skewed view. China has 1,300,000,000 people. The United States has 300 million people, four times more people than we have. India, which is next door, has 1.1 billion people. Just those two, that little t- corner of Asia is a third of the world's 7 billion people. Well, let me ask you a question. Does God love them? Really? How do you know that? Can you state that from the Bible? If you know John 3.16, you can. God came and he loved the whole world. So, Pastor Mark, are you telling me that God loves Muslims? Well, sure. He loves the whole world. See, we have this weird mentality. Seven billion people, we're a speck, and we're becoming less and less of an influence in the world. In end-time prophecy, we don't see us, but God loves the whole world. I don't live in China. I live here. How many lost people around you? Everywhere. They're searching, they're empty, they're lonely, they can't figure out life. They seem to be doing well, but they know down inside because Ecclesiastes tells us God's put eternity in their heart. Something just isn't right. So Jesus says, I came for the lost. Lost people matter. And that was his focus. Because this world is ending, they're going to end and they're going to spend in one of two places. Heaven's real and hell's real. One day, Peter wrote it like this. I love this verse. Look what Peter wrote. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you. How many glad God's patient with you this morning? Can I hear your hand? Hallelujah. 
not wanting anyone to perish. Say it with me. Anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone. How many is anyone? None. So I know that as I share, I, I never know what the response of the person is, but I know God wants them to be in heaven. Notice how they get there. But everyone to come to where? Repentance. It always starts with repentance. I have to change and admit I need to follow God. Now, that encourages me because God has a plan. Found people, find people. Somehow God found you through somebody. My role is to be a fisher, is to find people. Now, you know something? When we fish, when we share the good news, guess not only do they feel good, or at least they're given the gospel, but guess who else feels good? We do. When I'm doing the will of God, I feel fantastic because that's what I was created to do. When I'm being a good grandfather or a, a, a good husband or I'm sharing the gospel. Or I'm saying, right now, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't give me a billion dollars to exchange what I'm doing right now. You know why? Because I'm doing the will of God. He gives me the message, I just share it to you. I put funky glasses on and he goes right to your heart. See, it's never about me. It's always about God. So when you're doing the will of God, and one of the huge things in the will of God is to be a fisher of men and women. Let's practice it. Not just talk about it. Let's have the heart of God. Well, there's lots of ways to do that. I want to give you one this morning. This is our fifth point. Turn to Matthew chapter 5, if you will, and we'll see how that ends before we uh, pray this morning. Remember, we're looking at the big picture of life. This is one of the ways to seek the lost. Notice the lost don't walk to us. We seek them out. Matthew 5, verse 14. Jesus said this, 20% of you are the light of the world. Is that what it says? No, it says you. What's he mean by you? Every Christian, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill that can't be hidden. When you go to Israel, lots of flat land, there are some hills, and you can see the houses and the lights on the hills from, for, from wherever, especially around Galilee. It's just gorgeous. He says, neither do people light a lamp, put it under a bowl. Who'd be crazy enough to do that? Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. What's he saying? You need to shine. Say, well, Pastor Mark, I'm like a secret Christian. I'm in the secret service for Jesus. You know, there's a lot of people that will say this. You, you talk to them and say, uh, are you a Christian? Well, I, I don't want to talk to you about that. Uh, my religion is very private to me. Well, your religion may be private, but Christianity is right out in the open. So when I ask you to stand this morning, don't be ashamed. Why would you be ashamed? Paul writes it like this in, in Romans. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it's the power of God to salvation. So I'm a light. I don't hide my light. I'm not in, I don't take a light and put it right in the guy's eye. Can you see now? <laughs> no, but I shine. And I'll show you what that looks like in a moment. Then he says this. In the same way, since every person that's a Christian this morning, listen to me, your light, then let your light shine before men, before unbelievers. So they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Here's point number five. Write it down this morning. The will of God is to be light where God has placed you. What does light mean? It means my lifestyle. It means my behavior. It means my, my good works. Notice Jesus says, you're the light of the world. Jesus was saying, people are watching your life. People are observing you. Don't try to hide who you are. Don't be weird about it. Don't be obnoxious about it. 
Just shine. Make God look good. You see, His love in our heart, we wear this bracelet, love is a verb. It makes us to live different, to put love into action. You might be in an office and someone behind our back are saying these things we don't know. That person's a Christian. We're not going for the Christian kind of stuff. But they're kind. Why are they so generous? You know what? That, that person is amazingly patient. And they're caring. But they're a Christian. See, they don't combine the two together. But love in action draws people. And as we do good works, we make people, we make God look good. A couple nights ago, we were at a party for a Korean high school student who's been here two years in our city. And the year before, um, the ride that she was getting to church, she's a Christian, uh, kind of went away. So we, we put it out to the Asian groups. And, and the, one of the couples decided they brought her every, every week to church. Kindness. Went out of their way to bring her every week. Well, the next week, they invited her when she came back into their home for a whole year. And some of the people at school said, why would they do that? Why would they pay for her and bring her and do all? Well, they're Christians. And that gave her open doors from Korea to share the goodness of God. Now, there's a statement you have to understand as we finish. And I want you to write it down exactly like I wrote it. Watch this. God has placed you exactly where he wants you to shine. Some of you I know, because I've talked to people, Pastor Mark, I'm in Florida because my company up north closed and they transferred me to a branch here. I hate Florida. But God somehow, in some kind of a coincidence, has me here. I can't wait to get out of here. Let me tell you something. Your company didn't send you here. God sent you here. Well, I don't like it. Get over it. He's placed you exactly where he wants you. If you're going to look for a home, you want to move to a new home, that's great. You pray about it, your wife, your husband, all those things. And and it's it's affordable and you can do it without going crazy. And and you move into the home and you finally say, people say, why did you pick that home? Well, because the kitchen's big and this thing, we've got a great deal. Long term, short term of the whole thing, God puts you in that neighborhood, not for the home, but for the neighborhood. The place where you're working, you can't stand in place can't stand any of the people around me. God, deliver me from these people. No, nobody email me, so just relax, because I know people. I was a boss for many years. No, God's put you exactly where he wants you. Shine where you're at. We only have today. I'll shine for Jesus when he gets me to a place I want to get. Forget it. Last night, a lady came up to me. It was powerful. She said, Pastor Mark, I understand exactly what you're saying. She said, this week I had to go into the hospital. Something was wrong. I forget what was really happening. And while she was there, they found what was wrong the first day. So you expect to go home the next morning. You know how hospital is. In an hour, two hours, you're gone. They kick you out. They don't want to spend the money. They didn't send her out for two more days. They did nothing. She just sat there for two days. Third day, an individual that worked there came in, opened her heart. She got to minister to her for hours. God has placed you exactly where he wants you. Shine. His big picture is way different than us. One day, Paul and Silas were walking through a town. There was a demon-possessed girl. They freed her, cast the demon out of her. And as they did that, the city got upset, the pagans. Beat them, put them into prison, into stocks. As they're in the stocks, and they've been beaten, 
They cast a demon out. I want to ask you a question. I want everybody to look at me. I want to ask you a question. Were Paul and Silas in the will of God? How many believe they were in the will of God? How many would like to be with them? I agree. But they were in the will of God. See, a difficult circumstance doesn't mean God hasn't placed you there. He'll put us in all kinds of situations. So when they were there, did they shine? Take a look at this verse. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Watch this. And the other prisoners were saying, what's up with these guys? They're beaten. They're beaten with rods. They're bruised. They're in chains. They did nothing wrong. And yet they're praising their God. What's up with these guys? Shine. We know the end result of this. You remember the end result? The prison guard and his whole family came to salvation. You know, Pastor Mark, I don't like that. I don't like it either, but God uses it. Shine where you're at. That's the will of God. I was very humbled as Linda and I taught 14 pastors for that week. We had to move to a different restaurant every day for safety. As I looked around the table the first day we met, four of the 12 had spent about four months in prison last year for nothing. One of them, the church that was closed. My wife was able to minister to the wives who struggle at night. Will there be somebody take my husband away for another four months? For nothing. Are they in the will of God? They're in the will of God. Understand, God has your life. He knows. That's my privilege to go. My privilege for you to send us so I can minister hope. Would I teach on humility there? Don't be stupid. I was humbled as I taught the word of God. This morning, the world is ending. You're ending. Let's use our time wisely. Put God first, his will, and let's share the good news. Let's be light and salt to people all around our world. Now, I don't want you to put your Bibles away. I don't want you to do anything in our campuses. I want you just to look at me. I'm going to do two things at the end that I promised you that we would do. Number one, I'm going to address those of you that as yet have not accepted Christ. I won't embarrass you, but this is your day. This is God's divine appointment because you're here. You've heard the gospel. You have a choice to make. And then I'm going to ask all of us to stand together and we're going to go through eight things and make a recommitment to the Lord of all of our time and stuff. It won't take long, but we're going to be here. So let's just bow our heads. But before you do, I want you to see one picture. One picture. You can't follow Jesus part-time. Some of you that are Christians, it's become part-time to you. A couple days a week, good. The rest of the time, I kind of do my thing. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. So I'm going to ask you to think about that. You're Christian already. Now, some of you here are not Christian. You're not following God. The only way you can follow God is to repent and believe. Put your trust in Him. I'll pray that prayer with you in a moment. This is the life every one of us want. Come follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. See, it's God, it's people, and the use of our time. There it is, in action. Are you ready to go fishing? Pastor Mark encouraged us to become fishermen, not for fish, but for people. Jesus came for the lost, and that means lost people matter. God is patient and doesn't want anyone to perish, so God's will is for everyone to go to heaven. But He calls Christ followers to share the good news. That makes us feel good because that's what we were created to do. It is God's will for us. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. 
The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Now here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 6111. And the title of this message is The World is Ending, Live Today. Again, today's message number is 6111. And the title of this message is The World is Ending, Live Today. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we continue through the book of 1 John. We will learn about the Antichrist. He will come to destroy and deceive people. In Revelation 17, John calls him the beast. He will someday rise in the world to defy God's authority. He's against Christ and anything that stands for God's kingdom. But in the end, he will be destroyed and Jesus will win. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of 1 John. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world A new hope He is giving Lord, let us hear your lessons for living